Wednesday, August the 2nd, 101 on the East Coast. That's on G-Swiz, running a little late today. I apologize, but this is Market Call. Today's Market Call brought to you by FactSet, financial data and analytics powered by tomorrow. Of course, if it's Wednesday, it's a Carter Braxton workday, and wait till you see where he's sitting. It's like a country estate. I love it. CBW getting shit done. As always, um, before we get into the market, which is clearly interesting, uh, interesting things going on at Shea as well, as the Mets just said, you know what, it ain't happening this year, Dan, and apparently it's not happening next year as well. What a freaking shame. How are you? I'm doing okay. Um, I think for some of our listeners, some of our viewers have to, like, they, they know that it's not called Shea Stadium, where the, the New York Metropolitans play uh, baseball, and I think oh. it's a, a brand of baseball that you don't really care for too much here, but um, I think they know that, that, that is a matter of fact guy today is an interesting day. Okay. And I think both you and I thought that we would have a day like this in the NASDAQ, at least one of them over the last couple of months, we have not had a down 2% plus day in the NASDAQ in a very long time. And also a day where some of the most beloved trades are mm -hmm. down, let's call it 5%. One of them would be the NVIDIA, um, you know, Tesla also, I think at its lows earlier, was down a little more than 4%. You know, the reversal in AMD after their earnings last night, really interesting, opened up on the day. And when we were on Fast Money and we were looking at that quarter, and I think both you and I were like, why is this stock up 3 4%? You know what I mean? Given the, the quarter that they reported, the guidance that they gave, um, there was a lot of stuff that was embedded in the guidance, at least in the consensus for margins going forward relative to what they guided to in, in revenues. I just thought it was a really weird reaction. So with a stock down, you know, a reversal of 10% guy, I mean, you got to You got to take note of today. I mean, I think it's important. Without question, might as well throw up. I mean, I'm sure we have it, but just to, we'll get started with a quick throw up an AMD chart. Cause as you mentioned, they report earnings last night. I think the stock probably closed around 118. It was actually up on the day. In the aftermarket, it was trading, I think, up to about 123 or thereabouts. And I said, Mel came to me and says, what do you think about AMD? I said, look, I said, for context, and if we could, maybe if you go out even longer, put up a year-long chart, this time last year, so basically the 1st of August last year, AMD was trading about 90 bucks-ish. I'm rounding, but that's effectively where it was. This quarter, when the stock closed around 118, let's call it, they reported an 18% year-over-year decline in revenues. Margins were light, and margins were probably not half of what they were this quarter last year, but probably, I don't know, 60% or so what we saw last year. And I'm saying to myself, all right, I'm just putting the numbers out. I'm not making this up. You tell me what's going on here. And obviously, the whole AI phenomenon, at least in the aftermarket, got everybody excited. I think now people are coming to their senses and say, this is a great company, but this wasn't necessarily... A great quarter. And if you start to look at things, there is a slowdown there and their core businesses may be offset by, again, this whole AI phenomenon that everybody seems to be talking about. Yeah. Well, it's also interesting that last week, you know, we were looking at Intel's or earnings and guidance and that stock, I think the day after gapped up maybe six, six and a half percent or something like that. It's since given, you know, all of that back. So I think you have a scenario where, you know, if you're playing, would you rather with mm. what's, what's embedded guy in NVIDIA, right, and the performance it's had since it last reported at the end of May and, and what investors are expecting versus, let's say, an Intel and an AMD, which, you know, yes, there was something built into it. These stocks have both had big runs over the last couple of months, but doesn't trade anywhere near the valuation. Now, granted, 
they don't have the products right now and they don't have the orders right now, right? That speak to that. And I thought it was interesting that Mel brought up this point or, or, or maybe it was K-Parts who was reporting on it. They were talking about, um, AMD was talking about the engagement that yeah. they're having about the products, which doesn't mean orders, you know? No. And when what, people calling up and say, hey, what's going on there? I mean, yeah. we, we have engagements every day. Yeah. But that I, doesn't necessarily equate to anything. But yes, you're right. Yeah. I think it's a guy. Let, let, let's talk a little bit about just kind of this notion of a lot of investors, you know, as we get, and we're going to talk to Carter about Apple and Amazon that we both report tomorrow after the close and get his technical take here. But, you know, we're, we're getting to tag ends of the, of the major earnings reports here. So thoughts a little bit on sentiment here, because it, it almost feels like it was as good as it gets. You know what I mean? Like we had this, this, this build where, you know, expectations were high in a lot of these names. And in the beginning of earnings season, a lot of companies, definitely the banks, did enough, right, to kind of, you know, at least appease the, those who are saying that, mm -hmm. you, know, we, you know. So I'm just curious, thoughts here, because I'm wondering if we have a kind of buy the rumor, sell the news sort of situation. Oh, I mean, I think going into, I mean, obviously last week or the week before got things kicked off, I think people were extraordinarily optimistic. I think you know, when they saw what Google did, Facebook did, I think people are like, you know what, everybody with a bearish thesis, you're missing the boat here. Things are fine. We're going to skate our way through this uh, soft land, all the nonsense that you continue to hear. And that, listen, through the lens of the market, it made sense. But you know this, and I know it as well. It's incredible how quickly things change and how quickly sentiment can change. And today, listen, today's one day. Again, I don't want to make a huge deal out of it, but seeing one of the bigger moves in the VIX we've seen in quite some time. So clearly there's a level of concern. We're not burying the lead, but that Fitch downgrade last night that happened in the middle of our show, you know, I don't know how important it is, but it's not unimportant by any stretch of the imagination. And it's going to lead to moving the bond markets, which again, theoretically leads to moving the equity market. So all these things are a bit of a pastiche, but I think people want to be bullish but I think you're going to see how quickly, if you get a couple of days like this, how quickly that switch will get flipped. Yeah, no, that's a good point here. All right, let's do it, guy. It's Carter Braxton Worth of wow. Worth Charting. Of Worth Charting. How are you, Carter? Man, I'm good. I'm good. How about you? Hey, so last night you were on Fast Money. And I guess on Friday afternoon on Fast Money, you detailed a bullish thesis and cat tractor. Okay. And we had that huge breakout. Kudos to you. Well done. And then you did something which was pretty fascinating. So coming on, you're reviewing that trade. You put a chart up of the internal, you called it the internal trend line. Okay. So you got the bullish trade right, breaks out. It was about 8%, okay, above the prior high, new all-time highs there, right? And then you showed a trend line that looked like long-term resistance. And I thought that was really, really interesting. And my question to you is that, how important are those sorts of trend lines after you've already had a big move, right? The, 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 the bullish move. Now you're saying it makes sense to take some profits, sell calls, that sort of thing. So talk to us a little bit about that psychology, because I wanted to ask you that on Fast Money, but I said, you know what? Let's save it for market call. Right. And it's it's esoteric and you need time to do it. So not necessarily the right venue uh, last night, but Look, I mean, it's such a, an aggressive re-rating of, of an important stock, uh, obviously, an important cyclical stock, an important machinery stock, and an important Dow stock, uh, an American stock, that 
um, it's both bullish and something else at the very same time, right? To get a breakout like that right from a former high is a is a textbook uh, technical setup and resolution. But at the same time, it didn't break out two, three percent. It broke out eight, nine, and now up even further up ten. So you know the the thought uh, for clients was if you're long or if you don't have a position to do something which is betting against volatility, which means typically after a very volatile moment, news related or not, <clears throat> volatility should abate and, and try to um, capture, once we put out a strangle note, which is basically selling the 300s and selling the 260 puts going out to September. So if one can sort of hang tough for the next six weeks, think what this is trying to do. You still participate, um, up as much as 7%, and then the stock would be called away from you at 300 plus the premium you take in of about $5. Um, or it drops, in which case, is it desirable to mm -hmm. buy uh, an actor, an athlete, a stock before their breakout season or breakout role, um, but you know the fact that they're going to have a breakout season or role, right? So that you get to buy Caterpillar at um, 250 plus or minus, which would be below where it was trading before it reported this gangbuster result. And so it gets put to you lower, 11% lower. I get, I bet if I pulled a lot of people, if you want to buy a Caterpillar right now, 11% lower, many people would love to do that. And in turn, if and as it goes to 305, it would be 30% above its 150 moving average. Stock has almost never done that. All right. Um, thank you for that. Uh, it looks yep. uh, like an interesting setup there. And I, I guess that move, you know, gives you the opportunity on both sides to kind of think about ways to kind of express a view. But I think Guy would probably agree with you. He'd be a buyer uh, on a pullback back to those levels here. Listen, you know, selling, you know, downside puts in a market like this, that's been really complacent. Um, it takes a certain sort of investor slash trader to think about that, even if you've had gains in the underlying stock. But uh, makes sense to me. Let, let's look at the broad market here. Let's look at the S&P 500, Carter, because um, again, you heard Guy just talking about kind of the setup into earnings season and the market has continued to chug along. And even though that we've had some of the biggest winners kind of pull back a little bit, there's been rotation. So curious to see what you're seeing in the S&P 500 here and whether we are going to be in a situation where, you know, this rally, since the S&P broke out at 43.50, has really not had a meaningful pullback in, in, in a month and a half or so. No, that's right. We uh, our last we had a 10% correction earlier in the year. Pullback, sell-off, drawdown, dip, whatever word one likes. And we're due for that thing. That's garden variety stuff. And there's no difference between 9 and 11, between 8 and 12. Meaning anything that's ascending uh, in a very steep and uncorrected way, trading far above the moving average of your choice, you have... Um, uh, dip risk, give back risk. You have the risk that sellers emerge, short sellers emerge. And so we have that. I think we might have some charts of the S&P, but um, well, what we do know is we're uh, up against a difficult level. Those are perfectly parallel, mathematically parallel lines. It didn't fix them or adjust them or massage them. One is copied and pasted. Um, you can actually get a parallel channel in many software packages. That's what this is. And so we're up against the upper band. Um, does it have to go to the lower band? Does the middle band? But what we do know also is this euphoria since since sort of uh, May, June has left a lot of unfilled gaps. And we might have that chart here as well. And so uh, do all those get filled? Oh, I would think so. But uh, certainly the ones that are most immediately uh, below that go down to 44 and change. In fact, we have a 
an unfilled gap today to the downside. We gapped open and down. Um, but put those two charts together, and it puts some perspective on it. Do we come down to the lower band of the channel? Do we fill some of the immediate gaps in the 4440 range? Do we get down to 4200? All of that is has to be considered because the thing here is after this, right, and this being Apple, uh, Amazon, and NVIDIA, there's nothing left to push it, to hope on, to dream on. If we could go back to that Caterpillar chart quickly, I just want to point out something we said last night that the check back to sort of that level that Carter just outlined in terms of where he would put the stock makes perfect sense. Given the amount of volume the stock traded yesterday, it makes uh, complete sense you do a back and fill and a retest of that past breakout level. The same way we saw the S&P breakout to the upside and then saw a subsequent check back before we made the next leg higher. So I love that chart and I love that trade, number one. Number two, in terms of the S&P 500, you know, as Carter says, those lines draw themselves and we're not just making them up. We're in this channel. And listen, this is an up channel. You can stay in this up channel and still have, you know, an eight to 10, 11% decline and still be in a bull market since the fall of last year. So that's just something to keep in mind as well. Obviously, I think we all know where I think the market is going is lower, but I've thought that for a while. And again, the Fitch downgrade, is it a big deal? I don't know, a little bit, but you know, all these things start to add up. And when you see a reversal in a name like AMD, and when you see some of these blow off tops that are seemingly happening each and every day, I think you have to take notice. All right, let's talk about uh, what's going to be the main event, um, at least as far as earnings are, or what's left of earnings here. Carter, Apple, um, you've had a very nice bullish call. It's really had this very uncorrected um, very you know, just methodical move higher to new all-time highs. It broke out above you know the highs from um, a year ago, and it's kept on going here. We look at the implied move in the options market for tomorrow's print. It's about 3.5% um, in either direction. This is a stock that is $3 trillion market cap that's up 50% on the year. It's up more right from um, its 52-week lows. Talk to us about what you're seeing in the chart and how you're thinking about being positioned in this one. Well, I mean, look, I've been fading this as it goes higher and higher and higher, just to being cautious or considering uh, anything negative or suspect has, has just not worked up and right. But, um, you know, there's an expression, perfection exists, does, but it doesn't last, right? You can have a perfect uh, play in sports. You can have a perfect, you know, a triple, quadruple gainer flip in the pool or a perfect, uh, you know, performance solo but uh, you can't keep that up. And this is a perfect 45 degree angle. Again, it's incredible. And so we know that it's been on the trend, but we're starting to breach that trend line ever so slightly. The next chart has a red arrow on it. And now, of course, that's a judgment. You could say, well, Carter, it's gonna be another green arrow. You don't know what the hell you're talking about. But um, my thinking is we're, we've just pushed it as far as it can push it. Everyone loves it. And interestingly, do they love it? The sell side has a price target, that's right currently where the stock is trading. So Wall Street, uh, for what that term means, meaning uh, two or three dozen uh, highly paid, highly educated securities analysts working for investment banks have a price target that argues for Apple having no progress next 12 months. Here's the same chart going back even further. Let's draw some more lines. What we do know and uh, that there's a level of support at 180 plus minus. We take away and look at the next one. And just to bring that in relief, could we drop down there? Sure. Look at this longer term chart. Same thing. That picks up the all time highs. Do it again, longer term. And so 
that's perfectly normal. Quite often after exceeding a former high, you check back to it, which mm -hmm. is you revisit it. And that would be, final chart, that would be a 7.73%. So I've written the words there in the report to clients. A garden variety dip, 7% is nothing. Correction, drop, decline, drawdown. doesn't matter what word you like, what's your nomenclature preference. It would be normative. It would be garden variety. And it would be extraordinarily healthy. And that first point is the prior all-time high from, I think, December of 2021-ish or thereabouts. So that check back makes sense. And listen, moves of this magnitude happen over the course of minutes, if not hours, over the last uh, year or so in, in bigger cap stocks. So you can absolutely see that. In terms of the fundamentals here, and we've talked about it, Apple's a great company, no question about it. It also has mid to upper, mid single digit EPS growth, mid to upper single digit revenue growth, decreasing margins over the last three, if not four quarters, probably trading now close to 30 times next year's numbers. The services, I get it. You know, they get a premium valuation for that, but how much? And unless they knock the cover off the ball and with some of the tech stocks, some of the, uh, if you listen to some of the semiconductor names, talking about some slowdowns, I'm hard pressed to believe that's going to happen. So I think this move is perfectly normal and makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. And it's interesting that, you know, um, I think that the perceived safety of this, of the cash flows and, and, and the like here, but I, I, I go the other way, you know, some of the reports about this iPhone cycle and, and the kind of uh, the iPhone 15 and, and the production of them and, and the reliance on production in China and demand in China. No, I just I, I I can't imagine that this guidance is going to be particularly great. So I'm in Carter's camp. A check back to um, that breakout level seems uh, to make a lot of sense for me. All right, Amazon. This is one that I think is kind of interesting again because you know, guy, we have talked about how some of the dis consumer discretionary names um, in the market that traded a premium. Uh, one of them would be Starbucks. Another one would be Dizzy. Another one would be Nike. They all trade really poorly relative to the market, relative to their sectors. Now, we know that Amazon obviously has uh, North American retail is, is a big part of what they do. We also know that their AWS, this is the higher margin business. And if you look at just Microsoft, um, Azure and Google Cloud and the market share that they've been taking and the expectations for growth in AWS, it's going to be like low teens after a year ago at this time that was growing at like 40% or so. So Amazon's one that had a big run. Um, you know, they obviously are a company that is very involved in machine learning and, 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 you know, a lot of what we are excited about, or at least the market participants are excited about as these generative AMI models. I mean, listen, Amazon's going to be involved in all of this. And then you think about their ability to offer a lot of these services um, across AWS. This is going to be a secular theme for them. But right now, right here, Carter, what is your take into the print? Again, implied move about 7% in either direction tomorrow after the close. Curious your thoughts on Amazon and the setup into that report. Yeah, my hunch is to do the opposite of Apple, which is to actually make the bets on the long side. Let's look at the charts. This is, um, you know, this is very subjective. I, I would say that we, we, we know the Apple uptrend is, is is what it is, and we see the breaching today, and so a little less subjective, but uh, let's draw some lines. And so what do we know? We know that's a very well-formed well -formed bottom formation recognized in the investment community, 200 years or more, uh, head and shoulders, top or bottom. That's what a reversal is. The next line that's important, of course, is the line that's been in effect since March. 
This is where all the strength in the market has been, where all those unfilled gaps are. If we combine the two, we have this setup. Now, let's put in some more lines just to see how precise this is. That uptrend is very precise. We're not down there. I think we could dip to it. That's nothing. That's 1%, 2%. But the question is, do we ultimately bounce off it? Um, look at this next one. And this is the key, right? We're 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 at a critical juncture, right? This is uh, where you get and your seven percent implied move or whatever it is that you had said. I can't remember exact number, seven percent plus. That would get you up and out above the or down and below. And there are plenty of people who are betting uh, both ways. My arrow was green, so we shall see. One thing to point out, if we look at some relative, and we might have that, and if not, that's fine too. Is that Amazon's relative performance is 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 dreadful, right? I mean, this is a mm -hmm. ratio chart, and that's to the spy. Um, but it's turning, right? Ever so slightly, the 150 moving average is starting to bottom. So I think you've got a bearish to bullish reversal on uh, the, the relative strength line. And we've got other uh, similar charts. There's a two-year um, uh, that's going back, sorry, now five. Look at the look at those bottoms. And then final iteration, um, look at the, it's just, Amazon has had such a wipeout relative to the market. And while it's always expensive, it doesn't, you know, it's probably 150p. I get that, but that's irrelevant to can we maybe catch this for a pop absolute and relative? I think it's worth a it's worth a stretch. You back out the moves from May of 2020 into May of 2022, and you can see it right there. You know, that obviously that significant move higher. If you just back that out and look at the stock over the last 12 to 13 years, to Carter's point, it's effectively within reason. The same exact price. The other thing about Amazon, it's difficult, and I've been we've been doing this a long time in terms of fast money. It's a complete crapshoot in terms of the reaction post earnings. Uh, we've seen good quarters get sold off. We've seen bad quarters uh, been been bought. We've seen margins surprise to the upside. We've seen them come out and say they're going to ramp up their costs and their spend, and the stock gets crushed. There's seemingly no rhyme or reason for what goes on here in Amazon. So I look at Carter's chart. I totally get it. He favors the upside. But I'll say this, and Doug Cass just texted me, and he's right. I was going to bring it up. Now, with 10-year yields now, today at one point, north of 4.1%, they've backed off a tad. Interest rates are going to start to have an effect on the consumer, without question. The consumer is going to run into a wall at some point. Apple will not be impervious to that. They, they sell expensive items, nor will Amazon, which is where everybody seems to want to buy things. So just keep that in mind. That does not um, mean it's going to happen this quarter, but it's just something to think about into the fall. Yeah, no, and, and it's funny. I kind of think that two names that have performed really well post-results, one was um, Google Alphabet and the other was Meta. Um, you know, they like, seem to be in a place where they want to fill in those gaps, especially if we're going to have a broader move lower. So if Amazon, you know, were to gap up on better than expected results in guidance, it would be one of those situations where Carter, I suspect you'd be selling, do something, sell calls, you know, like do sure, something sure. there, you know, because, and, you know, I, I mean, it just seems like the sentiment is slightly shifting towards mega caps right now away from them. Yes. And, and also, if we just maybe look at that last chart one more time, meaning Amazon's been a terrible performer, but it's 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 relative performance. Where did it peak? It peaked at COVID, of course, because you can't drive a car and you can't go on a cruise and you can't get an airplane and you can't go to a movie, but you get to sit home and buy a whole hell lot of stuff. You can't even go to a store, right? Walmart, but you can sit home on Amazon and buy everything. So notice its relative peak was right there in the spring, summer of 2020, and really the peak of COVID. And yeah. so the question is, three years later, 
having underperformed to this extent, is it worth a speculative bet? That's my hunch. Yeah. All right. Well, Carter Braxtonworth, we appreciate you being with us here on the Thanks, market Chris. call. You can find him at worthcharting.com. It's one of my first reads every day. Thanks, Carter, for being with us. Talk soon. Bye. Hey guys, the so last kitchen he has, by the way, it's, it's a, it's a nice kitchen. Um, last night on fast money, um, there was a lot of breaking news. Uh, there was some that was welcome. There was some that was unwelcome. The unwelcomed one was the Fitch downgrade mm-hmm. of the U S credit rating. And at the time we had a guest on who seemed um, well conditioned to talk about it. Um, and you know, we kind of poo-pooed it a little bit, right? A little, I'm just curious because you know, it seemed, and last night, our good friend, Max Myers, who's the producer of Last Call, which comes on at seven o'clock with, um, with, with Brian there, he texted me right after our show. He's like, wait, the futures are down. Um, is it on the Fitch thing? And, you know, I wasn't actually paying that close attention. I would have been surprised by it. I'm just curious what your take is, because, you know, this morning, you know, Axios, um, Fitch's odd downgrade logic, okay? And and I think it was interesting. They weren't really talking about anything about the here and the now, right? And any impending risk. They were talking about some other fiscal risk yeah. and, and the like here over the next few years. Thoughts here, now that we've had a, a little time to think about it, was this a, the excuse for people to hit the sell button in the equity market? And then clearly was not helpful. I think that's part of it. Now, the question, my question back is, is the move in bonds, was that somehow in front of this announcement predicated on in, in the wake of? So I think this bond move is equally important and people will say, well, they're part and parcel. They go in hand in hand with one another. And I totally get it. What Fitch has basically said are some of the concerns that we have been voicing for quite some time about debt levels, debt to GDP, the tapped out consumer fiscal response, you know, all the things that we've been bringing up, which the market, but, but told today at least, has been somewhat impervious to. So is it, is it catching up today? I guess so. Question is, does this thing have legs? I think, quite frankly, that might have been the catalyst. So we'll see. Obviously, the VIX seems to think it. Uh, some of the reversals we saw seem to think it. Some of the seasonality of August suggests it. And we'll see how this thing plays yeah. out. You know, commodities sort of back on their horse a little bit. I've said for a while, I think you're going to see a reacceleration in inflation in the back half of this year, which obviously doesn't help the Fed either. So there's just a lot of things to be concerned about that we've been concerned about. The market's taking notice today. All right, so here's a question um, from a viewer here, and it's a good one um, because I, I, it was kind of my final trade last night. It was my final trade last night. I talked about how it's been going against me. It's kind of hurting me, and I'm going to have to make a decision sooner or later, and this is the TLT, right? The ETF that tracks the 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 the, the 20-year U.S. Treasury, yeah. and so he's getting crushed here. This is um, M-A-H um, in the TL Diamond Hands. I haven't heard that one in a while, guys. So Diamond Hands means I, I that even know if that you're means. a meme stock trader, you just hold on. You, know, you have Diamond Hands or bail. What are you doing? So what I'm doing here is I'm swapping out when uh, this ETF was 90 uh, below 97 or so. I was buying the September 15th expiration 97 call. So I'm going to define my risk here to about two and a half percent of the price of this ETF and play for a move back towards maybe that downtrend that was been in place since uh, March or so that would get me maybe to 102 or so. Um, so that's how I'm trading it here. I mean, listen, if we're going to have the 10 year go back to, let's call it above those prior highs, you're going to have 
you know, you're going to have this thing back in the low 90s again. So I'd rather define my risk in around 97 because I think my risk is, you know, down six or seven and maybe up, you know, five. And um, that doesn't sound like a great risk reward, but if I get it right, defining my risk using options, I, I like that play better. And, and I want to be a bit contrarian here. There's so many, it's, I could make a bullish argument. In other words, a bullish argument that yields are going down and I could easily make an argument that yields are going to go higher. Your levels are spot on. So I think the low we saw in October was like 92 or so in the TLT. And that was right around four and a quarter percent ish in 10 year yields. So that is clearly an important level. I think four and a quarter for obvious reasons, the round number, the, just the suggestion of four and a quarter, I think will get people's attention. So that's something to consider. But I've thought that if the market, the broader market were to sell off in a meaningful way, and you know, 50 S&P handles is not a meaningful way, but if you were to see a sell-off that lasted a few days and got upwards of seven, eight, nine percent, there'd be a flight to quality in the form of the bond market, which would make the TLT go higher and yields go lower. So I'm at a bit of a loss here. Today is the snapshot, 97 and change in the TLT. Your levels are correct. Um, we could make an argument that we tested those October lows in terms of the TLT or highs in terms of yields. And maybe this is sort of a place you can get long TLT looking for yields to back up. Yeah, that that's kind of my play. I mean, I think, you know, it's funny. I mean, in, in you and I, we often agree on a bunch of stuff. Hopefully it's not a bit of an echo chamber here, but I think if you're right about inflationary readings and if you're right about the economy slowing and if you, Doug is right about the consumer being tapped, I just, I'm hard pressed to think that yields in the 10 year go much higher. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of my trade. And so that's why I think at this point, you know, it makes sense as, as yeah. an options trade, balls looks pretty cheap. It looks like you know, the chart's horrible. It's that it's not something that like you'd say you want to buy. But if we make a spike bottom here today and then we fill in that gap from yesterday, then we could be easily on our way back to 100. And at that point, I'd probably roll those calls up a little bit, take some of the, the, the gains off the table and reduce my my premium at risk. Guy, I, I just want to get your sense before we get out of here. Um, what do you think has to happen? You just said something if we were going to have a multiple day sell off in the S&P and we haven't had that in a very long time. Does it have to come from, let's say, a day like today where NVIDIA is down 5% and then does it have to come from some of these leaders where you're just going to take a bunch of this excess out and then, you know, like it's, it's, it's important, like, you know, those top eight stocks, right, make up, you know, 50% of the NASDAQ 100. The NASDAQ 100 right here, as, as I'm looking at it, is down 2%, but many of the big contributors down a lot more than that. So you're seeing some relative strength of the other 92, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So. So does a does do we have to see these continue to take a lot of froth out and then some of the other ones come in? And I, I know that seems kind of obvious, but could that just happen on sentiment? Could it happen on just taking a couple turns of the valuation expansion, the multiple expansion that we've seen coming off the market? Is that what's going to happen? Yeah, you think? I, I think that's perfectly logical. And more importantly, I think perfectly healthy for the market. You know, bulls don't want to hear you're inclined to want things to go higher every day because that makes your life easier. The reality is it doesn't happen. So what you should want at a certain point are these back and fills, which we're starting to see in some of the names. Obviously, on the days it happened, it's not particularly pleasant, but it sort of resets everything. That's a healthy market, a market that goes up the way NVIDIA has gone up over the last six or so months 
is very healthy for your wallet and your account, but it's not particularly healthy for this construct of the market and market structure and some of the things we talk about, because that move will not continue unabated. And it typically happens in the blink of an eye. And we've seen it before. Go back. I think it was November of 18 or so. I might be off by a year. Um, when NVIDIA went down, I think 25% or so on an earnings release in October-ish. So just something to consider. I know it's a different company now, but these things do happen. And maybe it comes in the form of a disappointment with Apple. Who knows? I mean, if that starts taking the wind out of the sails or if yields continue to go higher, um, maybe the market will start to take notice in that regard as well, saying, wait a second thought the economy was slowing down. Why are yields going higher? There's something amiss here. And then throw in something that Danny Moses has been talking about, and I don't want to get too wonky here, but Japan's got a problem. And I think part of the rally last Friday was built upon a less than um, less hawkish than anticipated Bank of Japan, but that doesn't mean that they're out of the woods. And they've tried to do these yield curve controls successful to a point. Now that genie seems to be coming out of the bag, and if things start to get out of control there, that could lead to a similar type of thing that we saw in August of 2015 with the yuan deval. So there are a lot of things out there to be concerned about. All these things have been in place. Maybe the market will start taking notice. Yeah. And, and I guess the one point I'll just say is that, you know, we, we talked about some of the reactions to some of these other tech names. And, and um, you know, I, I think. Microsoft, and you say this a lot. I think I think is is probably right now the most important stock in the in the in the stock market here in the U.S. And a lot of it is because the way that it has reacted to this perceived benefit, right, of of just kind of the AI, their investment in OpenAI, which started out as a narrative around their their Bing search and and how it's going to displace, you know. Uh, Google and Bard was a bad launch. This is going all the way back seven months now, right? And if you just look at how you know really unabated this move was, and then it just really crescendoed on July 18th when they announced the pricing for their Copilot tools, right? And the stock, we, we don't have to get into it, rallied 5%. But since then, it's down more than 10% from those highs. That was the all-time high, right? It broke out there. So if you can just use your eyes and draw an uptrend here, we're getting there, right? And so let me tell you something, though. Not too different than what you and Carter agreed on as far as Apple, if you were to get back to that 176, 77 or something like that, the breakout level from last summer, if, if, if Microsoft were to go back towards 300, I think you'd buy it with both hands, right? Like, like, because it's taken out a lot of that froth. There's been no fear in that. And the expansion that we've seen in the multiple is on the hope that this all plays out the way a lot of like people reaching for this sort of secular shift you know, hope it to be. And there's very few ways in which to do it. That's why NVIDIA has doubled in such a short period of time. So to me, I think there's levels where you would buy it. If if Alphabet, Google were to fill in the gap from last week, guy, you'd probably be a buyer and in, in somewhere in and around those levels. Just for us, the fact that we haven't had any of it, it's just been this euphoria around a secular shift that has not been monetized yet. That's the thing from my experience in the market. You don't want to be buying that in the middle of that. You want to buy that when it's been corrected. Stay tuned, folks. Uh, Dan makes some excellent points. But again, valuations do matter at a certain point. And I think we might be talking about the AMD call and that word engagement uh, for quite some time going forward because that was somewhat nuanced. I'm sure it was an intentional use of the word, but as Dan mentioned in last night and today, engagement 
does not necessarily turn into sales or revenue. Just something to keep in mind. But that's it for today's market call. Want to thank, of course, Carter Braxtonworth from that country kitchen, which looked fantastic. I can almost smell the apple pie baking in the oven. I want to thank Backset, our sponsor, Financial Data and Analytics, powered by tomorrow. Speaking of tomorrow, we will be here. EY from SoFi will be joining us. And of course, if it's Thursday, Dan, it's Butters. Little hesitation, but okay, we can edit yeah. that out. Talk to you tomorrow, people. See you, bud. Thanks. Thanks.